Help defend the church by becoming a supporter of Family Life International. Your contributions enable us to continue our work to promote the faith, defend the family and promote the sanctity of life. Make a real difference today. Go to www.familyandlife.org.uk slash donate. Father, the Son of the Holy Spirit. God is rich in mercy, says the psalmist, and this mercy of God is echoed throughout the scriptures, both in the Old Testament as well as in the New. Yet we sometimes get the impression from the Old Testament that God is vengeful that he is a hard taskmaster, that he is ready and eager to punish, when in fact, God doesn't punish so much as we earn the misfortune that comes our way because of our rebellion against God, or because we are ignorant of what God wishes for us, or because of the weakness of our nature that attracts us to sin. So in the classical form, we sin either because of weakness, the concupiscence that's in our flesh, or we sin out of ignorance that we really do not know what we're doing, and then a few out of what is called malice, the deliberate habit of sin with no desire to change. But whatever the category or the kind or the class of our sin, God is always rich in mercy, always eager to forgive us the wrong that we do. In fact, he has created us for life, he's created us for himself, and he calls us constantly to the abundant life. That's what our Lord himself said. I've come that they may have life and have it abundantly. So the gift, the free gift, is offered to us, as St. Paul says in the letter to Timothy, that I thank Christ Jesus our Lord who has given me strength and who judge me faithful enough to call me to his service even though I was a blasphemer and did all that I could to discredit the faith. Mercy, however, was shown me because until I became a believer, I was acting in ignorance, which, of course, is the second category. Not weakness, but ignorance. And even in his ignorance, he did terrible harm to the faith, to the church. But God forgave him. And as he goes on to say, I, Paul speaking, I am the greatest of sinners, and if God could forgive me, Do you not think that he would be eager to forgive those who have sinned far less than I have done? And this, in fact, is what gives us hope, that despite our failures, our weaknesses, our sins, mercy is always being shown to us. What does this mercy consist of but the abundant life Christ came to offer? I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Another word for this life is grace. This is what we as Catholics call it, 
grace. When God created us, he gave us ourselves. When he redeemed us, he gave us himself. And this gift of himself is grace. It is the means by which we live that higher life. And so we heard in the first reading how even after the miracles worked in Egypt, after the people had crossed part of the desert, they were still dissatisfied with what God had done. Or perhaps they were forgetful of what God had done. And they quickly fell into idolatry, complete abandonment of God. So much so that he was ready to destroy them. But God is rich in mercy. And so he permitted himself to be persuaded by Moses' intercession. And what does Mo how does Moses intercede? But reminding, and we, we use these terms from a human perspective. God doesn't forget and doesn't need to be reminded. But Moses reminded God of his promise that he had made to the patriarchs before, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And God permits himself to listen and to repent of the evil that he had punished, the punishment that was in store for the people because of their infidelity. And likewise for us, even today, it is Christ who intercedes for us. Christ who pleads for us and says, Father, forgive them. They do not know what they're doing. And then our Lord, again, when he came, to whom did he come? He came, St. Paul tells us, Christ Jesus came into the world for sinners. Our Lord himself says, I came not to call the virtuous, but sinners to repentance. And so, Naturally, the tax collectors and sinners, they were seeking him because he came seeking them. They wanted to hear what he had to say. They wanted a light in the midst of the darkness in which they lived because of sin. And we're told that those who thought themselves to be virtuous, perhaps because they were not guilty of the greater sins, complained this man welcomes sinners and tax collectors and eats with them. And it is for this reason that our Lord speaks, spoke the parable, the two that we heard today, although there's a third, that of the prodigal son. And he speaks of the sheep and of the coins, the drachma that, are lost, that, that is lost, and gives an example no matter how much we possess, everything that we own, we attach a value to. And this value we attach to it is not necessarily monetary. If someone gives us a gift, we might be sentimental enough to value the gift, not because of what it's worth, but because of the giver of the gift. In other words, the love that the gift represents. This is how we treat our possessions. And if someone takes something very small, little value, but because of the sentimental value attached to it, we tend to be upset about it. 
Well, God has created each and every one of us uniquely. We are irreplaceable. And so when we fall away because of sin, rightly does God, humanly speaking, sorrow. He is sorrowful because of it. And so using the example of a hundred sheep, what would the loss of one make? What difference would it make? But it does. We're told that the shepherd leaves the 99 in search of the one. And I'm sure in our own experience we've done that. We've forgotten, forgotten everything else we possess and we seek the one thing that we, <coughs> we have lost because of the value it has for us. And when we find it, yes, we are happy, although we still have all the other things as well. And so he says, having found the one sheep, the lost sheep, he takes it on his shoulder and brings it home and rejoices. He's glad because it gives him a different kind of joy. The quality of joy is different. And likewise, for the coin that is lost, the woman is impatient. What does she do? She cannot wait for dawn. She cannot wait for sunlight. But she lights a lamp and begins searching thoroughly till she finds it. And having found it again, she rejoices. And so also for us. We need to remember, when we say the Our Father, what do we pray for? Thy will be done. God's will, no matter how difficult it is. This is what we are praying for. God's will. And God's will is redemption, salvation, and heaven itself. God, in a sense, also says that same prayer. When we are stubborn, God will eventually say to us, your will be done. And our will is misery itself. It's called eternal damnation. So constantly when we say, your will be done, let us ask him to give us the grace that we might always be conscious of our shortcomings, of our failures, of our sins, so that we might repent. And when we do repent, we can give great joy to the angels in heaven. And of course, to our Father, God, who is rich in mercy and who has created us for himself, has created us for eternal happiness in heaven. God is always rich in mercy. In the name of the Father, the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. This MP3 recording has been made available by Family Life International. Help us to make many more available in order to promote our Catholic faith. Go to www.familyandlife.org.uk and donate today. Thank you.